Hi there, friends. This is episode 82 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. Thank you for listening today. Today is actually a replay of a live Facebook conversation that I had with Dana Trent, and it was titled Ancient Wisdom in a Time of Crisis. It was recorded on March 25th, 2020, while we were in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic and trying to figure out what are some healthy responses, uh, what that might look like. So we talk about uh, all kinds of things, um, but it's outlined at the beginning of this conversation. So we'll just cut right to that conversation that first showed up on that Facebook live feed. Hope this is helpful for you at this time. Well, hey, everybody. Thank you for joining. This is, uh, we're just thrilled to have you here. And um, I'm sort of kind of hosting this. I guess it's on my Facebook page. It'll be on my podcast. But really, I just reached out to Dana on Sunday night, I guess, and just said, hey, would you be willing to have a Facebook Live conversation sometime this week? Just about everything that is going on, we decided to call it Ancient Wisdom in a Time of Crisis. And um, just to kind of, I, I was really feeling like we had, um, we're in this moment, we all know the moment we're in. Um, we all know that we're, that there's all kinds of feelings all over the map. Um, I shared a really short thing last week just about it's okay to feel your feelings and to encourage people to, to do that. Um, but I was really sensing that, uh, that maybe we're not tapping into some of the deeper wisdom and ancient wisdom that we have available to us in our tradition, um, in the Christian tradition, um, which we are both coming from. Um, and that we're like, there's, there's an opportunity here to maybe reflect as well on that. I was feeling a bit of resource overload as well, that there's tons of, stuff like how do you make a video like and it's funny because we're now doing this we're actually creating a, a video but you know how to create a video or what to do with your kids at home and and those are all good and wonderful but um but i was reminded last week by a friend that maybe there's maybe we should be talking a bit about sabbath as well and like how we struggle with that um and uh it also kind of occurred to me that we're really dealing with loss actually here and um and an article popped up in my feed a couple of days ago from the Harvard Business Review, actually, that uh, that was all about us naming that we're grieving and that that's this weird feeling that we're going through um, is that we're actually experiencing so much loss and we don't necessarily have language to talk about that. And I thought these are like the things that the Christian tradition is a, like does like. And so we actually have resources to speak to some of these things and a few other things like serving and loving our neighbors. Um, so we're going to try and talk about all of that stuff and maybe even talk about joy and how joy and grief can happen at the same time. Um, and uh, Dana popped into my mind. Um, well, she always does it anyway, because Dana's awesome. And <laughs> so, but I've had, Dana's been like the most repeat guest on my podcast that I host spirituality for ordinary people. Um but it's just some of her books really intersect with some of the things that I was thinking about last week around what we're going through. So she's written a book on Sabbath. She's written a book on loss and uh, grieving, your most recent one called Desert First. Um, and then you've written a book on Christian meditation, which I think we really need right now. So she's like, okay, I, how can I talk to Dana about this? And probably other people would benefit by talking to you. So here we are. This is what we're going to do. Thank you. Thank you so much. My energy is already like way up. You just, that's good. You, yeah. Thank you so much for holding this space for me and for everybody here and for naming all of these things. So important. So many threads to, to cover and I'm excited about digging in. Thank you. I actually think it might be, maybe people don't want to start here, but I kind of want to start with this idea of loss and grief and, um, and just explore that a little bit. Um, so what is your sense? Like, I kind of feel like people are losing jobs. Yeah. Um, people are uh, losing a sense of freedom, like uh, the ability to move around um, and uh, loss of connection, like who we get to spend time with. Um, so I don't know if like, what's your reaction to that of like, maybe we're actually, maybe we need to actually tap into this need to grieve and that how do how do we do that well? 
and my reaction is that it's spot on. In fact, I had pulled up the Harvard Business Review oh. article to, to talk about it and to cite it and to point people to it. And we could put a link to that on the Facebook notes. I think that's exactly what's happening. I don't know that we could have named that a few days ago when we were still sort of in the, in the, in the first stage of denial, if you will. Right. I mean, we're literally going through those stages, both in a linear fashion, but also in a repeat cycle fashion, but I'm so relieved to hear us name it now because it is grief. It's job loss. It's loss of health. It's loss of spaces that were our communal spaces. It's loss of spiritual practice and worshiping communities. It's um, loss of a normal that we knew it's loss of connections. I mean, it's loss after loss after loss. What to speak of our friends and neighbors who now have relatives, family, friends in ICU units who are actually, I have a friend, um, a writer friend, Mickey Scott May Jones, whose mother is in intensive care. And she tweeted yesterday that, you know, my mother was intubated today and I said my, I love you. And maybe this was the last, I love you. So and I had to take a deep breath because I think the, the grief is real. It is both the, the actualized grief and the anticipatory grief is what we're feeling right now. And I'm so grateful that we are beginning to name it because as soon as we begin to name it, acknowledge the feelings, then we can start to do the work of grief, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think like some of us might be familiar with like what that work actually looks like. Um, but lots of us, I don't, maybe aren't. Um, so like what, I, cause I think sometimes we just think that, that grieving is just about a feeling as opposed to maybe a process that we go through and like, we might be familiar with sort of the stages of grief and, and things like that. Um, but like, I don't know, what, what do you think about that? Like, what, what do we actually need to do right now? Like, I guess people are, gra- I'm, I'm an achiever. Like I always want something to do. Um, like, and maybe people are grasping for things to do, yes. but about how do you enter into that? Like, so maybe we can name that and say, yeah, like uh, I'm actually experiencing loss. Um, and so then what do I do with that? How do I? That's great. That's so a great Dana, you're going to help me. <laughs> It's a great question. And I'm actually, I'm going to help myself and go to, you know, chapter six of dessert first. Yeah. This is why I wanted you on here. This is why you're the one to talk to. I mean, Matt, look at me. I need to take my own medicine. Take your own. That's right. Let me make notes on my own thing. Did I really write this? Yeah. Right. And that's what I've been doing. That's literally, you know, I, I talk about grief and such chapter six, let's talk about death, about it being, it's a train and we're on the train friends. We are on the COVID-19 train and there are stations. And these are the stations that I've named for myself. If they're useful, Um, we're thinking about timekeeping. We're thinking about making meaning out of all of this. We're struggling with the loss of identity. We're struggling with how to talk about it. And we're struggling, of course, with the acceptance of it. And so it's not just acknowledging the feelings. It's, it's all of that. It's marking time. Like, okay, I've been home two weeks. I've been, you know, without my classroom for two weeks. It's who am I if I am not a classroom teacher in a seated course? Who am I if I'm not a, an overachiever out there in the world doing my thing, a minister meeting with my people and taking care of my people? You know, giving language to all of this, talking about all of this is going to be so important in the coming weeks because if we don't, we risk a lot of things. And number one, we're going to risk our mental health for sure, our mental and emotional well being to be sure. But also, we aren't going to be able to assign meaning out of this loss and grieve this loss. And that can have detrimental effects for generations to come. You know, we're living in sort of what, if you remember, and I don't know how old you were when this happened, but when I was a sophomore and 9-11 happened in college, I remember going through all of these, what I now know to be these stations and cycles, but it's like, if we don't name those for ourselves and slow down and look at all of this, 
the unfurling of what can happen from an event like 9-11 or what will be known as COVID-19 or however, for us as a society is going to be um, one huge struggle that can have a lot of really harmful long-term effects that we saw. And we saw those in 9-11, the health of our nation psychologically, suicide rates, Certainly, um, we saw that with our fear of the other, capital O, um, xenophobia, hatred. So many things can be effective if we don't name all of this now. Yeah, for sure. And like, um, I should say, Dana, I'm older than you. So yeah, I was, I don't need to tell you how old I was when that moment happened. But five, Matt. (laughs) And tell the poor Canadian what a sophomore is again. Second year. A second year college student. Like, and you're talking an undergrad there. I was, I was. Correct. Yeah. So um, I was 20. I was 20. Wow. There you go. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. I wasn't that much older than, I'm not that much older than you, but I was in my, I was in my master's degree already at that point. So I was, I've done my undergrad. Yeah. So (laughs) So there you go. But it's like, you know, we, our grandparents talked about Pearl Harbor, right? Um, it's, it's a defining moment in a society. And the question is, yes, we'll assign all kinds of policy and economics and public health, you know, throw stuff at, you know, and see what sticks, but how are we going to assign the meaning of it? Right. I think as well, like, um, there's a whole, like, there's a blame phase in, um, in grieving. Right. And, um, and so people and people I've, I'm hearing people being quite quick to jump to that mm-hmm. this week anyway, not so much last week, um, but and not even necessarily like blame for like there's certainly some some racial uh, connotations around blaming where the virus came from, which is absolutely horrible. Um, but I've heard some of that going on as well. Um, just against uh, China or even just generally Asia. Um so, so there's that, but there's also sort of like blame about a government not responding the way I think they should, or, or even businesses not necessarily responding the way they should and that kind of thing. So kind of blaming, like now I'm in this situation and I'm going to, I'm looking for someone else to solve this. And I think we all are going to need that kind of help. We're going to need governments to do things. We're going to need, um, we're going to need to work together, all of those things. But I think we have a tendency to blame as opposed to uh, name naming things um, for for the reality that they are. So, like the practice that I think is sort of the ancient practice that that I think connects to all of this is uh, lament. Yeah. So, which is really like another way of looking at lament is actually complaint, mm-hmm. but it's it's complaint directed to God. And sometimes vehemently, like in the Bible, in the Psalms, it's, it's sometimes really direct, like, why have you done this to us, God? Mm. Um, but often it's really just naming, this is the terrible reality I'm in right now. This is the terrible situation I'm in right now. Um, and it's connected to, to grief as well. Like the mourning is really a, a, a prayer of lament mm-hmm. that we go through. But it's, I think when we do that, it's without attaching blame. Yes. Um, other than potentially blaming God, which is kind of a scary thing maybe for us to think about, we don't want to do that. But actually, in some ways, that's almost healthier to say, totally. I'm going to direct this lament to heaven. Yes. Um, and, and I'm going to then try to see the world for the reality here, as opposed <laughs> to uh, I'm going to blame like X, Y, and Z, or I'm going to blame the government for not acting the way it's supposed to act but to lament the situation. Oh, that's beautifully said. Yes, that is a tool in our toolbox. And we have that. We have it in ancient scripture. I know Dr. Breton was on. We can check to see if she's still listening, but she's a a scholar of Judaism, as is Dr. So there's Dr. Gail Breton and Dr. Charles Breton, and they can speak to lament as well. Um, She's the director of Jewish life at Wake Forest University. And it's this idea of that's what the Psalms are for. Like that 
our tool. Whether you're, you're Christian, Jewish, it doesn't matter. You have access to these ancient sacred texts, this ancient wisdom that can help you in a modern situation. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you brought that up. It's super specific. It's super accessible to anyone. Um, and also the, the idea of God being able to, God being so incredibly powerful that God can hold our anger. God can hold our blame. God is big enough to do that. Right. So I 100% agree with you that um, when we feel the urge to blame, you know, if we direct that through a Psalm of lament, um, that it is, that it is appropriate and God can handle it. In other words, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes there's a fear that if I say anything that um, you know, God doesn't like, I could be punished. And maybe right. the illness is a direct correlation of punishment. That's something that I've done. Right. Yeah. No. But you <laughs> know that that's, you know, theologically that doesn't, that doesn't work, at least not in our traditions. Right. And, and it's also not that we don't uh, try to hold one another to account. Like it's, yeah. and, and, and like, it's okay to cry out for justice, right? Like that's, we should be doing that too, but it's just, if that's, only to sort of satisfy this need for blaming some way within us, then we're, then we're doing it wrong. Like we're not actually like that. Uh, I never want to say we're doing it wrong, but, but yeah, like the lament is sort of needs to some somehow be somewhat independent of the, of the justice. So you have sort of the laments and then you've got the prophetic voices that come out and say, yeah, and we can actually fix some of this now. So let's get to work on it. So like we need both of those things, but I think when we just sort of, cry for justice out of this this inner need to blame somebody for the for the difficulty i think we get into some tricky territory there agreed yes we can't have it's um we can't do the justice work until we've done the the internal work we really can't um because we won't know what our justice work is is rooted in and i think that's what we're struggling with right now is that things are moving so rapidly yeah and and it's not really anybody's fault there either right like it's sort of like well we're going to try to do that justice work. We're going to try to do the right things, but, but it is all moving so fast. And so how do we respond? So, and and then we're kind of bouncing between like this need to just feel it and cry out. And also, but I've, but I have responsibilities and I have to take care of those things. And Mm -hmm. I'm also trying to manage my house. Like, I think that's just all part of it. It's not just that we're grieving, but it's also like, we're also trying to manage, um, and, and it's just hard. Like, it's just really, really hard to, to do that. It is hard. It's very hard. Um, I'm not sure. I'm thinking about what has stirred up for me is I feel very much the same way I felt in the weeks after my mother died, sort of mm. listless yeah. and purposeless and searching for meaning, searching for identity. And you'll probably hear me get tearful because I'm, I'm in that spot right now. But I think what is, what is different and what is also comforting is that there's a communal grief. Like we are all grieving something much larger than ourselves, but in some ways too, that can be overwhelming because I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think a large majority of us are overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're grieving um, as an individual, whether it's a loss of a parent or loved one or friend, there might be other people who are who have the ability to hold space for you, right? Because yeah. they're not in that particular stage where they've just grieved and maybe they're a year out from it. Right. So they meet you on your grief train. They're a colleague. They're they're part of your cohort. They sit with you. But it's almost like you said, everyone is experiencing this right now. So we're all trying to scramble to keep all the plates spinning. And things like this, this space, which Matt, you invited us to, this was your, this is your brainchild and it's wonderful. This can help with that. It's amazing how the virtual spaces have turned into spaces of holding room and making room for grief, lament, suffering. Yeah, that is actually quite incredible as well. And sort of, I, I've actually seen, there's some signs of hope in that too, that there's some people that are actually now connecting into virtual spaces who never would have walked into the physical spaces where those opportunities may have previously been created. Right. And so now it's like, oh, but we've actually been able to provide a space for for somebody who really needs it, who probably wouldn't have found it 
yeah. two months ago. So, I mean, that's, it's kind of interesting to just see that develop a little bit. And I hope some of that continues. At the same time, we have people who, even though there's this massive uh, connection online and the ability to do that, there's still tons of people in our world who are not finding ways into those places, right? So um, it's how do we, um, I, I guess I, I'm a pastor, so I always kind of go to the, well, then how do we serve, how do we serve those people? So, um, but we'll, we'll maybe come to that. I, I also wanted to talk about uh, joy a little bit. Yes, let's um, Mm-hmm. And I don't know, a comment seemed to have stopped for me. So I don't know if okay, let me, you can actually uh, see those other than a great one from John um, which was right in the beginning. Uh, Cause he just said, I'm noticing that Dana's background is all warm and friendly and Matt's background <laughs> is a whole lot cooler. And I thought, well, John, John is a fellow Canadian um, with me. So I didn't know if that was like, because you're uh, down in warmer climates. Um <laughs> So cute. Or, or if he's saying something about our demeanor, I don't know. So I'm hoping it's about the I weather. See. I see it. Yes, I'm good. Okay. So I'll take a pause to look at these comments real quick because we had a request to go louder. So let me see. Oh, okay. If I can go louder too. Maybe reckon. Oh, you sound this- you sound fine for me. Am I good? Okay. Yeah. I want to read a comment from Debbie. And Debbie, I don't know if you're still on the line, but she says. May we recognize the grief being felt and also use the extra time as a chance to plan for our inevitable death in a healthy, positive manner. Dessert first. Wow. Mm -hmm. Isn't that great? And, you know, and that's another thinking about how do we use this time? So I know we're going to hit on Sabbath so we can think about Debbie's Debbie's, um, comment as well. That's so... That's well, why don't we, why don't we talk about that then instead? I was going to say, we'll talk about joy, but maybe I think it's connected in any way. Um, why don't we talk about Sabbath a little bit? Um, I'm just kind of looking down cause I'm looking at my notes. Um, okay. like I've seen lots of people actually struggling with, with, with having too much time, <laughs> so, which is kind of an interesting thing for me. Um, I actually got busier. Uh, so, so it's hard for me to relate a little bit to, to people with, with more time. Um, but I know that the people are actually struggling with that. And I think a bigger thing is people are feeling like they don't have control over their lives to the same extent. So some of it is like this, I have time, and and some of it, I think, is their relationship to their their time and their space, um, which is now suddenly limited, like what you're able to do with your time. Um, and so, uh, and I haven't seen a ton on, like I've seen lots of resources of what you can do to fill your time with stuff, but I haven't seen a lot on the value of doing nothing with your time. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm not very good at doing nothing with my time. Me neither. Even though, I mean, here we go, Matt, I need to, what I need to be doing is sitting down and, and rereading these books. Exactly. Where's I'm coming. I have a copy of that one. I don't actually have a physical copy of dessert first, but I have to do a physical copy of that somewhere around here, but I don't have uh, it in front of me. So. Yeah, no, you're right. I haven't seen a lot on embracing this in Sa- as Sabbath time. And my sense is, and I would love to, and I'll keep an eye on the comments because I want to hear, I want to see if other people, um, you know, have this sense too, is that we're all, and I think this is very appropriate, wanting to be sensitive to, to the ways in which we are spending the time, because we know that there are so many who are working still, right? So yeah. working from home or working healthcare jobs, restaurant jobs, transit jobs. And are, and are run off their feet. Like, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yes. And then the other issue, I think, so, so that's one issue that a lot of people, their time is still completely full of, of work and working out there. And then the other issue is two people, their time is full with, um, childcare, um, caring for people at home. And so I think people are being very sensitive about using the word Sabbath and sabbatical to describe this time. Mm -hmm. But I actually, I, I think we, 
I think there will be space opening for us to utilize that. And I think it goes back to your justice prompt. I really, and it, and it goes back to your lament prompt. Mm. The idea is for those of us who are privileged to have this time that we could possibly call Sabbath, even if it's, you know, a few more minutes a day of Sabbath, what then is our responsibility to others when we emerge out of this COVID crisis? Hmm. So what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I, I think that's a good question. I think that's a really good question. Um, I think it's hard as well right now to, to, to look at that. Like it's hard to look ahead to, well, so then what does this mean for when, when we come out of this? Um, I think that's really difficult to do. Uh, and that's probably related to the grieving thing too, right? Like if you are grieving the death of a loved one on day two or three or even 10, you, you're barely asking questions of like, oh, well, when my life gets back to normal, like there, you, your life is not normal, is not normal in the way it was before this happened. So it's just, you end up in a new situation. Yes. Um, I think at the same time, though, uh, like you said about uh, about grieving, when you are grieving, you've got others around you who are not, and they end up being supportive and a strength to you um, so that you end up like, if you do need to just fall and, and say, I'm not, I'm not getting back up for a little, for a little bit, um, mm-hmm. that can become okay. Um, it's not always okay. A hundred percent of the time, like sometimes people need to be able to jump back up and get into something and, and, and soldier on or whatever it is. But, uh, but I think it's, it's sometimes uh, it's more acceptable anyway, to be able to say, I'm just checking out here. Yeah. But right now that's actually pretty hard to do. It's pretty hard to just say, well, I'm checking out and I'm, and I'm resting and I'm not like people can't and people can't do it. Like people are working from home. People are taking care of their kids and all that kind of stuff. So then it becomes like navigating, like how, how can I find moments of that? Yes. Um, and which is, it was just kind of a, a question that we're always facing when it comes to Sabbath. So I guess maybe then it becomes sort of like, how do I prioritize that? Because I probably need it more now than actually I did before. Um, just because I'm already dealing with all of this. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You and I are both, um, I think my sense is that after our many conversations about Sabbath, you and I are on the same page in terms of you and I understand that people have very different lives and circumstances. And so to mandate that people rest for 24 hours or a week or whatever um, on a particular day um, is not necessarily accessible to everyone in every socioeconomic class position, race, ethnicity, community. And so I love the idea of what you just said of we probably do need, you know, slivers of Sabbath, if you will. And the question is going to be, how are we going to prioritize it in this time? Because like you, I feel busier and fuller with things to do than I did two weeks ago. Um, which was not my intention, even though my schedule, my physical schedule has been cleared. Um, You know, I don't have any more spring events, but so bizarre. So what are some, what are some practical things now, Matt, that you're doing every day to embrace time for rest, worship, and community? What are like, Oh, I was so much more comfortable when I was in control of this as like kind of an interview, right? (laughs) Now you asked me a question. Sitting at the feet of my guru, I want I want dust from your feet. <laughs> uh, what are the What are the practical things that I'm doing? Actually, you know what? I and maybe this is why I think it's important to talk about it because I'm actually not doing this well, right? Um, it's often, why like authors write books as well as to explore like the the challenge that they're dealing with. Totally. Um, I know, like in times in my life when I have done it well, I've used the time in the morning. Um, yeah and uh and done that to basically get up and have like even like three minutes of prayer um and then honestly usually my number one thing is to get out and walk on my own um and do do that usually in a in a forest that's nearby where i live um but again it's kind of interesting because my patterns have been disrupted and this is maybe 
Mm-hmm. Maybe this is more true for, for other people as well. It's just you have this, the, pat, the pattern's been disrupted and we're disoriented. Yes. Yeah, so, so then how do we get reoriented uh, in the right way? Um, so part of me, like I, would, I wouldn't necessarily plan out like when am I going to go on a walk? Yeah. Um, but, you know, my daughter's at school, my wife's at work. I maybe have a sermon to work on. And I was finding it's actually, I'm even more productive or more efficient in my writing if I go for a half hour walk. So it was better for me to walk for half an hour than it was for me to try to sit in front of my computer for two hours. Yes. I could actually write more in an hour and a half with half, of, half an hour being walking than I could if I just sat there. So it was easier for me to get my head around, oh, go for a walk, or I'm driving past the forest do I have 10 minutes? Sure. I'll pull over and I'll go for a 10 minute walk, but now I'm not driving. <laughs> I'm at home. Um, so I'm not driving past the forest. I'm not going to the, the library. I'm not going to the office. I'm not going on a visit or meeting someone for coffee. So I'm just not in those, in those situations that I, that used to be kind of like these triggers to, to say, Oh yeah, right. Go and take a moment to pray. And so a lot of my natural, uh, cues have, mm-hmm. have disappeared. Um, and even in the morning I'm finding, oh, that's uninterrupted time where, uh, normally that might've been like the uninterrupted time has been created somewhere else. So now I'm thinking, oh, I've uninterrupted time to get some things done, get through the emails or whatever it is. So I'm using that time instead of prioritizing that for God. So I don't know. Maybe this. Maybe I was prompted to do this Facebook Live just so that uh, so that I remind myself, like you're going to read your books, and I'm going to just talk my way into, like, oh yeah, right, I should do this. Totally. I think I think you've you've nailed it. I mean, this is such this is such an energizing conversation because we are normalizing it. We are showing our underbellies. You and I are both some people who we, we are somebodies who have thought about this a lot. Right. And yet I hope that people see if people still are on the life, the Facebook live feed. I hope that people see that you and I are struggling. Yeah. Like this is, even though I have written the book and you've, you've got the podcast and we've talked about this together for hours. I even think we did talk at some point about Sabbath being an orienting practice. Yes. Like that might've been us talking about, I've talked about Sabbath on the podcast a few times, but, um, and I think it was like, this is at the beginning, like, is it at the end of the week or is it at the beginning of the week? Like it sort of frames the end. Is it rest at the end? Cause, Oh, we're so tired. Or is it rest at the beginning? And it sort of sets up our, our life and our, and our week. And I think, um, I, I don't know. I, I think we actually need it. Like there needs to be a way to, to put that in. Um, and to be disciplined with. So probably the one thing I have done is I've taken at least a good chunk of a day in the last week where I've just said, um, no, I'm not taking any, I'm not taking any Zoom meetings. It seems to be Zoom meetings all the time. Um, I'm not taking any meetings. I'm not going to do any writing. And we're just going to take that, that time off. Um, so So, so I have done that at least just to kind of block some time. And I even actually went in my calendar last Friday um, or it might've been even Thursday. There was one afternoon last week where I just blocked the time off in my green color that I have for my work time and had like a four hour block where I just had the appointment was taking no meetings. Oh, yes. And then, I mean, other stuff crept in, but it still, it wasn't any meetings that crept in, but at least I was able to just isolate that. We do have some comments that are, that are popping up as well, which is really great. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the idea we need a bumper sticker that says Sabbath colon. I'm not taking any zoom meetings. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe. That's our new It is hard to tell people, Hey, I'm resting right now. So like I'm going to set up boundaries. Yeah, it is hard. It is hard. I agree. You see, gonna... you see Anne Bruff there in the comments. That's my mom. Oh, Anne's here. Let me oh. go back to, um, I'm looking. Hi, mom. <laughs> That's so cool. Anne, pardon me while I'm, I'm trying to find, get to our comments. Okay, yeah, I can read you a couple of them. I've, I've got them here if you want. Oh, cool. 
So my, my mom is saying, we feel we should be helping more, but we are isolated. Uh, we're so used to jumping up and saying, what can we do? So they actually are living, they live about an hour or so away from. Let me mute myself. I'm so sorry. Oh, I could only barely hear that, Dana. That's fine. Oh, good. Okay. I got it. Awesome. Um, I'm looking for Anne. Where's Anne? Okay. I I just read it out, but I'll read it out again so you can hear because I think you were, you were getting two audios there. So she's saying, we feel we should be helping more, but are isolated. We're so used to jumping up and saying, what can we do? And uh, so they're not in like COVID-19 self-isolation or anything like that. They're just living uh, away. Like they're, they're about an, uh, an hour North of Winnipeg and which is like the major population area where we are. Um, And, uh, and they're used to being helpers and workers. Like that's, they are always helping out. Um, So, yeah, I think that's a good question. That is a great question. We're so used to jumping up and saying, what can we do? That is, and I'm an Enneagram too. Um, and it's like that. Here's my mug. Shout out to Joanna Bradley Kennedy. I don't know if you can read this, but it says, would anyone like some help? <laughs> my Enneagram too mug. You always want to help people. You always want to help people. And that's, I think that's our part of our, you know, when's the next Zoom meeting type deal is that yeah. we want to help people and yeah. it's, it's hard. And so the question is, how do we make room for Sabbath? And you were talking about triggers. Oh, good. And Debbie's still here. And I'll, I'll take a second to look through the comments in just a minute. We can ask, um, address questions that people have. Um, but it's talking about triggers just really quickly. Tiny habits, Dr. BJ Fogg, you've probably heard of him. Um, is this idea, it's a book, but he is a Stanford University behavioral scientist. And it's the idea of what we had in our normal pattern were these triggers that triggered these tiny habits, right? And now our normal patterns are completely off the charts. Even if we're still working outside the home, we're probably working double shifts. We're much more tired. And so the question then becomes, what are going to be some of the new triggers that are going to trigger the tiny habits of Sabbath? Yeah. So for me, it's been things like getting up in the morning and doing a five minute journal, Hmm. doing a five minute journal at night, you know, based on um, Ignatian examine prompts from one breath at a time. And like one way to... One way to not miss that, because um, yeah. I've read that, I don't know if it's the same book. There's another book called Mini Habits as well. That's mm-hmm. So there's there's a couple of them that are kind of doing these tiny little things to build like, build, and you build on basically those, those small habits. Um, but like one way with the journaling example would be if you're struggling to do that and you think, oh yeah, I really was going to, I intended to journal for five minutes at first thing in the morning and I haven't done it. Um, is like you take your actual journal at night and your pen that you're going to write with and make sure it actually writes and then put it like in your path that you are going to have to walk, walk along so that it's like, Oh, right. There it is. Um, or like if you're intending to read the Bible or something like that, you put your Bible by on a table that's by your bedroom door. That's like, on the way out so the oh right okay i'm i'm supposed to do that and even if you feel like you don't have time and you're thinking oh i'm supposed to do five minutes but i'm already behind well maybe your five minutes turns into i'm writing one sentence or i'm reading one verse and you're you're unlikely actually to just leave it at one verse or one sentence you're then like oh i've started now like there's a magic in actually starting that starting so that's quite important. That's actually the thing as a writer too, right? Like you can, oh, oh yeah, I was, I was, I was going to write or I have writer's block. Well, once you sit down and actually start writing, even if it's terrible, it's like 20 minutes later that it starts to get good. <laughs> like that's, but prayer is like that too. Sometimes prayer is totally like lament is like yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. You know, getting started. We don't get started because we fear the abyss. Yeah. And so removing, like you said, removing any boundaries, removing any obstacles, obstacles is a better word. So any roadblocks or obstacles that would keep us from, you know, doing that five minute journal of lament, we could do, you know, five minute, five bullet points on lament, five bullet points on gratitude, reading Psalms of lament, reading lamentations, reading Ecclesiastes. Oh my gosh. Have you read Ecclesiastes lately? 
Oh. No, I'm trying to avoid it. <laughs> right. right? It's one of the first quotes in One Breath at a Time is, you know, better a handful of quiet than two handfuls of toil. And I was like, gone yeah. Ecclesiastes. We should all be reading Ecclesiastes right now, right? Probably. And so it's, you're right. Removing those little, those roadblocks can really make a big difference in, mm-hmm. in embracing moments of Sabbath and contemplative practice amid this chaos. Right. Um, There's a couple more comments too. So Abigail Carr, uh, Abigail is saying, Matt, maybe replace your walking with a different embodied practice. What could that look like for you? Great idea. That's good. That's a good idea. I love walking so much. You and I have talked about that a lot um, on the podcast because Mm -hmm. you, um, I remember you're saying that and I remember me asking about Canadian weather. <laughs> yeah, but the weather is getting way better right now. So um, I think as well, like just realizing, like it's really okay to just walk out my front door and go for a walk instead of like, I, I just love like, oh, I want to be in a Cinnabine forest and it's going to be so nice. And yeah, it's really okay to walk around my neighborhood. Like that's fine. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, that's, and we so we have to. The one good thing is that we know that um, per the CDC, we are we are allowed and encouraged to be outdoors. So that's yeah. good. that's yeah. very good. Um, I wonder, do we have any questions of folks that are popping on? I did want to. I don't see any questions myself, but I do see another comment um, that says uh, the Jewish tradition commands we put aside twenty four hours. Uh, for rest, study, spend quality time with family and those we love. Many of us find taking Shabbat breaks, finding time for God and those we love. Can I put the screens down? Can I look beyond myself? Ah, yes. That's Judy, isn't it? Yeah, Judy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think too that kind of brings up an interesting point about about screens because we're now using screens for human connection yeah. And so it would be interesting to maybe challenge that a little bit and just say, okay, so that's fine. That's good. But then how do we actually even take a break from using our screens? And even though that means we're having the loss of some human connection there. And, and we think about like, say, uh, Jesus, when he goes to pray alone, um, you know, he goes in the wilderness, he goes by himself. Like, yeah. uh, like he, he, he does disconnect from community. So there is something to part of Sabbath connecting with family and loved ones. Absolutely. So maybe part of the day is, you know, connecting on, on a screen or with the people who are in your house, hopefully the people who are in your house, if you have those, but definitely connect with people on a screen, if that's going to be helpful for you, but maybe part of your Sabbath as well as saying, okay, there is actually something to solitude and solitude is actually quite important. Yes. Yes. It, it, it's so important. And Judy brings up a great point. You bring up a great point because the, the Sojourners piece that just um, published today, I was going back through and looking at Blaise Pascal's Pensée. And you know how um, Pascal says that all of humanity's problems stem from our inability to sit in a room by ourselves. <laughs> and here we are, <laughs> right? in a room by ourselves struggling with all of this. Um, yeah. And what do we do with it? And, um, Camus, you know, thinking about life is absurdity and how Reverend Ben Boswell says that mortality is our preexisting condition. So wrestling with all of this takes some time for deep thought. And my fear is that we aren't going to embrace slivers of that time during this shelter at home, stay in place time, because we're so busy filling our, our, filling our time, like you said, with Zoom meetings and Netflix, you know, Fred and I are now watching Love is Blind, right? So (laughs) Matt, (laughs) I have not, the the, the splash screen on Netflix has stopped showing us that one now, because we resisted long enough that it's now not showing it to us. So, so in other words, how are we going to turn away from reality TV binging at night and instead turn into some quiet time for, like you said, 
making sure that, you know, the sacred scripture is right there by the chair, the journals there, the prayer prompt, the conversation with family, the thinking about death to go back to the comment that we had, the utilizing this time to actually think about dessert first, preparing for death while savoring life. Like death is, death is pretty close right now. It's so thinking about these big things instead of pandering, you know, trying to figure out what, what's next in terms of how we can entertain or amuse ourselves, you know, during this time for those of us who, who have the privilege of being at home and not, you know, out, out there working. Yeah. Um, I have to say though, that watching the voice as a family is a participatory event. Like Yay. that's. <laughs> I love the voice. Oh, isn't that cool? Because that's, um, so tell me about that ritual. I'm really curious. Well, <laughs> it's fine. We, you know, we just watch it and, you know, decide who we think should, should go through. You know? Okay. So there's like a family. It. We're not, we are not sing along people necessarily like a little bit. Sometimes I will sometimes just make fun of things and sing along to it, okay. but you know, I love it. Yes. Yeah. And maybe, and that's a, that goes back to your joy comment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So finding moments of levity and joy amid all of this. Yeah, I actually think that's really important. Um, I think, like, I think everything you just said is all is equally important, and I think that's a part that we maybe really like our culture as well kind of ignores or avoids. Maybe not ignores, but tries to avoid. Like, we don't really want to talk about death. Mm-hmm. Let's avoid that. Um, we don't really understand lament. Um, we'll leave it to the professionals to worry about, um, the stages of grief and, um, and that's it. I don't, I don't want to worry about that. Uh, but I think there is a bit of a movement towards in, in our culture, wider culture towards like, okay, well, how can I reclaim some joy in my life? I think that's a good thing. I don't know that we always go about it the the best ways. Um, But I think it's perfectly fine to say, yeah, I feel really terrible. And one way of managing that or moving through that is to find some things that actually brighten my day and to, and to participate in that. Um, Whether it's like flowers in the house or, um, or yes, watching a TV show together. It's okay that you watch Love is Blind. That's fine. Like you and Fred, enjoy it. Have a good time. Thank you. I write um, that's like our, our moment of joy at night. Is- but I can't, like, I can't let this moment go by without saying that I'm lamenting the not being able to watch sports. Oh, yeah. Like, I love watching uh, soccer on Saturday. I love watching hockey, yeah. um, basketball. Like, those are my three that I will watch. Um, and, oh man, it's hard to, <laughs> to, to go without that. So, but I had a conversation with someone in my church who I think he's like 20 or 21 years old and he really loves, uh, watching his sports. And he said, like, I'm having a really hard time. Like, and he's actually going through some other things. And so, I uh, just letting him know, like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. Like, how do we... Like, let's think creatively about, well, what can we do? Like, can we watch, could could you watch some old classic, like the biggest matches of history, the biggest games of history, like go search that on YouTube and see what you can watch. Or do you have a couple of friends who could do like a viewing party together or something of like an old game? And, um, you know, are there, are there things that you could do? I'm probably not going to do that because I really want to watch things when like the the playoffs are on the line. Like I, I, I so I'm missing that, but missing that of course and that's that's lost that's grief that's real it's um and then when you think about it too and um i'm going to make a request and so people who are still watching would you put in the comments one thing that you are doing to find joy in your day if y'all will comment on that please one thing you are doing oh, yeah, that'd be great. Joy in your day um and while they're doing that um i know fred is still on so i'd love to hear what fred's doing for his joy but other than watching the other than watching <laughs> is blind um is 
we, the other thing, and John wrote a great article about this. I don't know if John's still on the line, but John wrote an RNS article about CrossFit and how sports and fitness can often be our church. I'm going to put church in air quotes, but um, our community gathering. So I think what, what also what you're missing as a part of the sports watching is this idea of community, right? It's, um, we gather to watch sports. We gather to play sports. We gather to do fitness. As a YMCA fitness instructor, you know, we have been, um, our work has been suspended, if you will, until mid-May. And so I'm really missing working out and teaching at the YMCA. And so it's all of these things. How do I find joy? Well, I find my, you know, YMCA instructors who are friends who are posting YouTube videos online and I watch them and I support them and do their workouts with them. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, and it looks like we do have a few folks who've, who mentioned their joys. And so I want to read those. Oh, this is great. Oh, your mom said feeding the birds. Oh, that's awesome. Feeding the birds. And then we've got, it looks like Molly said cooking. Molly said cooking again. Debbie, who commented earlier about the dessert first, said sending simple, clean jokes to friends. That's great. That's awesome, Debbie. Um, and Fred said, love is blind is my current joy. <laughs> Gardening is close behind. That's awesome. Um, Steve said, watching Ruben's chat podcast or doing yoga in the morning as a family. Oh, Steve, that's so awesome. Oh. I'm so glad you're on here. That's great. And then Abby said, lots of musicians are doing free concerts, which has been so fun for me to watch. And also yoga instructors are doing free classes too, Instagram Live and Facebook Live. These are great. Thanks, you guys, for commenting about your joys. So, so cool. can I just tell you real quick, Dana, Ruben's uh, yes. chat, chat podcast, yes. Um, what is that? I haven't actually, I'm, I'm going to have to go watch. I haven't actually, I'll confess. Sorry, Ruben, I haven't watched it yet. But he's been, they were supposed to have, uh, he's a Presbyterian minister in Canada, same as me. And um, they were supposed to have uh, like a, a VBS for kids over um, and over the spring break in uh, and so that was obviously canceled. And so him and his two sons, uh, and they're, they're like under 10 years old. They've been doing like chapel for on, on Facebook and it's apparently um, like hilarious and beautiful. So, um, so I'll have to go check that out now that it's been, it's been mentioned to me a couple of times and I'm like, Oh yeah, I have to go check it out. So I'll have to go do that. So, and Steve's just putting in again, having a chapel each morning has been so great for us. Yeah. That's so cool. And if that's public too, would you mind sharing it? I don't know if it's yeah, I'll, group. I'll go and try and find that and see if there's, see if it is. It may, it may just be private. I don't know with the, with the kids being on there. Yeah, it's right. That's um, what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. Abigail as well has just posted a, did you say that one? The musicians who are doing free concerts. Musicians, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's really good. That's a whole nother thing too. Thinking about there's so many, Oh, Steve replied to that. Um, there's so many artists who are, you know, their income resources have been cut off. And yeah. so there's so much generosity in the arts community mm -hmm. right now with musicians and writers. Well, lots have had to cancel tours that they're on and all that kind of stuff, right? right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, that, that's really amazing that people mm -hmm. are offering such, and those are the beautiful things that come out of crisis. You know, it's, if we can hold this space for each other, if we can acknowledge the grief and we can lament together, then we can also, you know, when we've done the inside work, we can also do the outside work of holding each other and finding these moments of joy. Like it's both and at the same time. For sure. Um, now we kind of alluded to this earlier, uh, talking about uh, justice and, and that kind of thing. Um, Oh, Abigail's putting yes and authors reading their books aloud. Yeah, that's great. Um, or Josh Gad on his Twitter feed. Did you see that reading, reading books to kids? Oh, I haven't actually gone and watched that. I'm going to mention all these things that I haven't actually looked at, but. Um, so cool. Okay. So yes, we yeah. definitely need to, I'm going to make a note here that says Josh Gad. Because yeah, go and check out his Twitter. Cause he's reading like just Dr. Seuss books and just books to children. 
Um, and for those of you who don't know, Josh Gad, Olaf, right? He's so, Olaf, yeah. Um, the last thing I did want to just, just get to, and I know we've been talking for a while, but I actually feel like this is also really, really important, is that we've been dealing, we've been talking about kind of what we're all dealing with. Um, and maybe this is related sort of to my mom's comment um, oh. of how do we help? And, um, and like, I'm just really, I'm thinking about people who were already in, uh, who are already the most vulnerable in our society before this happened. Like, um, like I'm aware of like homeless shelters, uh, food banks, other places like that, that are serving people who, and, and now the, those folks are, are really struggling to figure out, uh, the economics of keeping their organizations even afloat, keeping staff. Uh, if staff get sick, then they get sent home. And then how do they manage? How do they continue to feed people? Homeless people show up. So if they, if they close, like where do they go? So all those things. And then, and then how do we step into that and try to find out where, where those needs are in the places that are close to us? And then what can we even do? Yes. I think those are big, those are big things for us to think about. I don't really have necessarily great answers um, other than find, like go and do the research, go and find out who okay. those places are and maybe start with people you might have relationships with. Um, I think that's, you, you just landed exactly where I think is the, is the first step. We talked about triggering the tiny habits I have on our refrigerator and Fred can attest to this. Um, and Heather just joined us. Hey, Heather, um, who, I have my list of who am I going to call every day to check in? So who are the folks in my family? Who are my neighbors that I need to check on, in on? Who are church people I need to check in on? So it, because some of the, uh, my mother used to say, when you get overwhelmed about all the help that needs to be done out there, what can you do within your sphere of influence, right? Yeah. Within your little circle, because sometimes it's overwhelming when we think about the, just the, the U S might become the epicenter of this, of, of COVID-19. So that's completely overwhelming. So what can we do on our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our church families right here? Who are the five people we're connected to that we can reach out to and do something for to support them daily. Right. 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 Yeah. I think particularly if, if you have some time as well, like, and you do know someone who is connected to a social agency of some kind, yes. uh, just send them an email, um, phone them. Also don't be discouraged if the answer there is we can't talk to you right now because right. they might be also overwhelmed and just don't have time to even figure out how do we organize in order to receive help. Cause I know there's lots of organizations, smaller ones, especially that, that know they need help, but actually can't, can't organize it to, to receive that. Um, like, well, we could probably use volunteers, but we, we don't know, we don't have safety practices in place for them. So we actually can't have you come down, but we actually need people. So we don't know how to do that. And they're struggling to, to work those things out. Um, but I think it's still worth making the phone call or sending the email and just saying, it's no pressure. I'm just wondering, like, is there a way I can help? And sometimes the answer might also be like, we actually do need a donation. Yeah. Just literally. Yeah. Yes. Um, and again, people are struggling with that, with their, with the economy and struggling with job loss. So I'm, you know, I'm not asking people to give money to social organizations. It's like the thing you have to do out of this. Um, but again, if you are in a situation where you do have some re financial resources, like this, this is actually the time for you to, to be generous. Um, and because, because people are in real, real need right now. So. Exactly. Yes. And it's simple. It's so simple, Matt, you know, we think it's gotta be complicated, but what I've been seeing are people who know how to sew are sewing face masks. Mm, yeah. Um, people who are salaried employees who right now are working from home but still getting paid um, are sending Venmoing or cash apping their hairstylists, their barbers, um, restaurant workers whom they know, hourly employees whom they know. 
Um, just little things like that. You know, if you've got hourly, you know, employee folks in your family, people who are, um, if they, if they, in other words, if they don't work, they don't get paid, right? Can you send them, you know, an Amazon gift card or can you send them Venmo them some money for groceries or something? Um, I think we think it's gotta be like, we've got to go out and, and just change the world in one day when yeah. actually it's all the tiny things that we do that lead up to a larger justice, restorative um, community for us all. For sure. There's people putting a few things in the comments about things, ways that they're serving people right now too. So that's so great. Yes. Yes. And if you're still on here, please add what you're doing. You know, think of tiny things that we could all do. Please add that in the comments too. Mm -hmm. um, if one, if everybody could add one thing that they're doing right now, um, that's helping the community that's manageable, that will give us all some great ideas. Um, so it looks like your dad is, is blowing, is snow blowing the neighbor's drive so that they can park when they come up to the lake this weekend. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And then Steve said, we put out email messages in mailboxes to families um, on our crescent. Maybe that's a street, right? Yeah. Okay. It's a good um, day. Yeah. For people to respond to if they need help or they're isolated for whatever reason. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And Joe just also put in a schedule for putting items up in their windows so families and kids can do a window scavenger hunt. Oh, oh they're so great. <laughs> that's Thanks. awesome. That is awesome. These are great ideas. And this is what we need to see a lot of. This is what we need to see more of. Um, and you and I are doing a Facebook live video. That's what we're doing. <laughs> so we are, that's our thing. Yes. And Deborah said, staying in touch with neighbors virtually. Yes, exactly. Sure. Thank you, Deborah. That's a good one too. Um, yeah. And then Debbie came, Abby said, we're ordering takeout from restaurants that are small family owned establishments. Well done. Yep. So shopping local, staying local. We want to support them so they don't go under. Thank you. Abby said that. And then Debbie said, put a simple heart in your front window so that people see the love when they take a walk. That's brilliant. That's cool. Yes. And Can so I add in as well? Cause we've, cause we're all, both authors and we're, when we love books um, to look up uh, local, if you, if you still have local independent bookstores, um, like I know our big one in Winnipeg is closed, but they're still accepting phone and uh, online orders and they ship anywhere in Canada. So, um, so yeah, like find those places. So like McNally Robinson bookstore in Winnipeg is a great place uh, to go and check out and still support. So I think that's a huge thing because there's definitely lots of small and medium businesses. I mean, all businesses, but small and medium business businesses that just have one local establishment are really struggling to, to figure out what they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge, huge deal. Thank you. Thank you for that. And so many people are sending emails out about um, delivery and free shipping. I know Chalice Press is doing free shipping on all of their books and 30% off. So I hope that people will, you know, if they've got some funds, like you said, support um, workers in these industries, that that can really make a huge difference. And, and it brings joy, like it brings moments sure. of yeah, Liz just added in the comments to, I went on my singular walk and made a point of saying hello to everyone I passed on the street. We are also planning to order from a local restaurant. Hey, Liz, nice to see you. Liz, that's great. Very smart. Oh, these are great. And Deborah added meeting friends to walk, staying in touch. Oh, putting up Christmas lights. So Matt, have you seen this in Canada? Are people doing this? Uh, I just saw an article about it. I couldn't remember where it was from. So yeah, maybe just... Just tell people what it is. Oh, okay. So in um, there's a movement in the United States, and Deborah just mentioned it, to put back up Christmas lights to bring joy, you know, in the evenings when it gets darker, and also just to as a reminder of a joyful time that was just with us a few months ago. And gosh, if we had known then now, like what we know now, might we have enjoyed Christmas very differently this year? We probably would have. And so See, that would be really easy for me and for lots of people where I am, because 
I don't take my Christmas lights down until the snow is gone. And of course, our snow is only really just melting this week. <laughs> so, so I pretty much just have to plug them back in. <laughs> oh my gosh. No okay, they go. So, so Matt, I want you to lead the Canadian movement. <laughs> it's probably already happening. I'm just not paying attention. Put up Christmas lights. All right, we're going to email Justin Trudeau and make sure that he knows... <laughs> That this is going to be Canada-wide mandated. There you go. There you go. Plug back in your Christmas lights. This seems to be the time to wrap up this conversation, actually, Dana. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. This has been really great. Um, And thank you, everybody, who commented and joined us. We were really appreciative of that. And and to have that interaction was really great. Um, We might have missed some as they as they went by, but we're we're glad you were here with us. And uh, thank you so much for this, Dana. I wow, this has been really great to do this with you. Likewise. Yes. Thank you so much. And may we all just practice the ABCs of acknowledging feelings, being practical and choosing calm one breath at a time. Absolutely. Okay. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much, Matt. Take care.